here we go. We have Peter Part 3 fused with David Part 11. Hi there. The worlds did combine in ones with prison. <laughs> We're going to start out with an update. There are videos and photos freshly come out of the prison that Peter was at showing riots. This phone's on silent, please. Dismemberment, beheadings, beating hearts, you name it. It's from Ecuador, by the way, people. Because of community guidelines, we cannot show these videos. But we're going to watch them. Peter is going to describe exactly who these characters are, what's happening in relation to his life story. And me and David are going to... You can see our reactions. Trying to find and then, one. for part two of this pod... We're going to go over to the combination of worlds, foreign drug traffickers meet in ones of prison and finally relax after the insanity <laughs> and the <laughs> hard corners of where they'd previously been. David, Thailand, Pepita, Ecuador. Ecuador. <laughs> and something of a coincidence, but was it? Because you know, they all say there's six degrees between two people on earth anywhere. But... Um, in Wandsworth held almost 2,000 people, and yet we met, even though we were only on the same section quite briefly. So, but it was after, as you say, all our troubles elsewhere, which haunt us to this day, you know? <laughs> we <laughs> also have forgiven. a synchronicity of nicknames because we learned in Peter Part 2 that he had a nickname associated with the Grim Reaper. Yeah, Grim Peter. Grim Peter. And we also know that David is the Grim Reaper's appointment keeper. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, somebody gave me the Grim Reaper's diary keeper or something. Somebody said, uh, well, it's better than being the pox doctor. That's got to be something to be said for. Him. But this is kind of a, a kind of news flash in a way because um, it should still be fresh in your memory that there were riots in Ecuador over, what, three or seven prisons? Uh, four, four prisons. Four prisons. Last week, starting on uh, February twenty third. Uh, and what happens in a, in a riot, isn't it, that people? <laughs> okay, there's very little guards' input in a yeah, I mean, ba prison anyway. The, the guards all fled the scene. I think for every three hundred and fifty prisoners, uh, which is like the, the which each wing holds, uh, there were two or three guards unarmed. Uh, whereas the prisoners are 350 strong and armed. It <laughs> 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 does seem a bit unreversed, doesn't it? So they don't stand much chance, really. So they, they fled the scene rather quickly and let everyone get on with the butchery, which ensued. Well, it's an opportunity for people to settle scores without there, there, even any witnesses. There's a picture of uh, the weaponry that was seized, which has featured in quite a few... Uh, 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 how newspaper, do they make well, newspapers and I'll forward these to you, James, so we can just put in what we yeah. put in. <laughs> it looked a bit homemade. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of these. You remember um, in the previous interview, I was talking about the, mm. uh, the the light fitting. Yeah. In each cell. Yeah. yeah. When I first arrived in one of these new prisons, uh, that was that was a means of getting metal 
because mm-hmm. it's got a reflector behind it. Ah. So they were breaking the light fittings out and getting the reflectors out, which are thin aluminium, and then reshaping them into machetes like these. Machetes, look at um, the size of them. I mean, they're the size it of It might my have arm. been thin, but it, uh, it must have held up pretty well, didn't it? Yeah. And also, where the other? Oh, the metal reinforcing rods in the in the structure of the building, the bars off the doors, bits of bits of steel off the uh, well, any metal really. Did you feel the necessity necessity to be armed because everyone else was armed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you have to buy in on that one, or just was as you well, say didn't necessary? Have to, I mean, yeah, at times you definitely had to be. So, yeah, it favorite. was necessary. <laughs> I mean, you can see there's two handguns down the front there as well that they seized. That's that's. They're looking pretty good condition, obviously oh, lovingly yeah. taken care of, uh, well oiled. <laughs> telephones. Yeah. I don't know what they're showing. Oh I yeah, there's a row are, of telephones. Um, technically illegal. What handguns? No. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, you know, I'll assume that. But no, the the phones. Are, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The problem is in 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 these prisons, there's no pay phones. So there's no means of contacting your family. So they, they, they've, they, in, in the way that they've built the prison, they're creating problems. Mm. You know, mm. mind you, they always do, don't they? Yeah, I suppose that's what they're for. <laughs> but even the, the tobacco ban. A friend in Australia said that um, a, a packet of uh, cigarettes there costs five hundred Australian dollars. Wow. Well, in American prisons, the the. I mean, I don't know, but you would know. Brother. Well, it was they were smokers allowed back then, oh, but they? now since then it's changed. I think. Yeah, I heard the expensive there as well. Oh, it must have gone through the roof. Everything goes through the roof, doesn't it, when they create black markets? In fact, talking of which, uh, a friend of mine sent me a photograph in here of uh, of post riot what twenty dollars in the prison could buy, and it was it was literally some bread and a bottle of coke yeah. because the prison had stopped supplying the food. Some of my friends that I've spoken to haven't been, they've been fed twice in a week. We've seen these conditions come about because of the pandemic and riots all over the world. Is that, that, is, is that what's that happened is, here? That is part of the problem as well. But I mean, the, these riots have come about mainly because the, the main gang leader out there, who is called uh, Hot Ellie or JL, or nickname of Raskina, which means itchy. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> but anyway. He was killed on December the 28th. He was the leader of the Choneros, Jorge Luis Zambrano, who I was in prison with, uh, which I've mentioned on another podcast or interview. Um, I was actually just trying to find the the the, um, the footage of him getting shot. He was shot in a cafeteria in Manta. Uh, when you say cafeteria, what, within a prison? No, no, oh. no. He'd, he'd been okay. released. Right. He'd only been out a couple of months. And, of course, having plenty of enemies... Uh, he mm. was he was shot by a, a Colombian assassin who was brought in just for the job, basically. That gang you were talking about just before, how are they were they confined just to Ecuador or Choneros? Or, yeah, well, the, the, the name comes from a place, uh, a town called Choni, uh, hence right. Choneros, yeah, right. uh, which is again on the coast, further up from Guayaquil towards Manta. Uh, they that's where they started and. You know, as 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 time's gone on, it's just tip for tat, and then families become involved, and then other gangs. You know, you've got the Latin Kings there, Los Lobos, Johnny Killers, it's a real friendly sounding bunch, <laughs> and uh, so on and so forth. And is the the rivalry would be as strong as 
but the unending hatred between, say, biker gangs or yeah, something like or, that. Between, or would say between the Russian and Italian mafia, something like that. Mm, mm. But know, probably I mean, even worse being when they're confined. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when when I was in prison there, the in in the main prison in Guayaquil, which was uh, that was first sent to, they had them sort of separated. It was one half of the prison was uh, one gang, and the other half was another gang. So they'd have sort of shootouts across uh, like a no man's land, which they called the frontier of the border. Um, that was until this third gang came in, the Choneros, who ended up on my wing or the wing I was on, uh, which ended up in a in a two hour long gunfight and two people getting killed. Uh, and it was the boss that I just described, Hot Ellie, who they were trying to kill on that occasion. So with his death, it's left a power. It's, it's created a power vacuum. Right. Between the gangs, so they're all vying for control now. Would it be, just to get the idea of the structure of it, okay, there's a kind of criminal gang and their line of work, but mostly cocaine, I guess. What, within the prison? Um, just inside and out, well, not inside, but outside. Outside, I mean, they're, they're murder for hire, they're, they're contract killers. Uh, oh, okay, so well, they the, don't... The Choneros are, anyway, they're... they're that, that was their main thing. They were like a bit like the paramilitaries. They were kind of working for the police. They would go in and clear clear up other gangs. They would be contracted to kill politicians, judges, stuff like that. Um, so they didn't bother with any kind of regular trading. They just were a ruthless gang. And and initially, that's what they did. but then after spending some time in prison and obviously making contacts with traffickers, they, they then branched out into drug smuggling. Uh, Robberies, I guess. Robbery. So extortion a lot of extortion kidnapping biggers yeah kidnapping all that sort of stuff <laughs> all the usual south american jollities and is there a a, <clears throat> a kind of select group of lower level that end up in the prison and, and the higher ones manage to stay out or uh, no not really it... i mean like i say the uh, uh hotel jl mm. as i call him he ended up in prison with us because he was uh, up for a murder charge Okay. Which he managed to get dropped, but then got arrested for another murder and ended up getting a sentence, I don't know, for 16 or something, but obviously paid a lot of bribes, got it reduced, qualified as a lawyer, really? got released, but then ended up getting shot dead. There's no appeal on that one, is there? <laughs> <laughs> that was the final determined, final so, sentencing. You know, I don't know if you... Was it popular there? Um, a big jail weapon, very frequently seen, has been tube steel wherever it can be found, whether it's a, a, a table leg or yeah. uh, a section of pipe, then cut at a sharp angle and, and smoothed down. So you've got a pointed tip and this sliding curve. So the blood has bleed out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, you leave it in there and it channels the blood, the, the blood out. It's like a tap. Yeah, <laughs> I'd use a compression fitting on the end, professionally speaking, yeah. <laughs> from plumber's point of view. So, what's the first video you'd like to take us through? <laughs> well, I would like to take you through them, but uh, this was shot by the inmates, weren't they? Yeah, this this was filmed. Uh, this, well, I mean, you know, I'll show you this first one. This is extremely graphic. I don't want to. I think miss it will be blurred out for the viewers, but um, this is where Peter was. This yeah, is the, this he's is shown us level. now this what is, happens in these places. They, they killed an informant, basically, and you'll hear in a minute. Them, they've they've chopped 
dismembered him, chopped his head off, chopped his legs off, chopped his arms off, and uh, beaten his skull in, so his head is more like a bag. And they're holding it up and just describing what Let's they've done. Let's have a close so, look. I want to get every, every palpitation of the head. Okay. I'm looking at a bloodied stump. Just body parts. Just like a little So they're saying, don't parts. show his face, otherwise we get into trouble. Ah. Don't film the face. Oh. oh, the face of the guy holding yeah, yeah. up a head. Oh. That's, uh... Yeah, look, we'll keep it this way. <laughs> we can't show this. It, it is... Lobos is, is one of the gangs. I can see a bit of skull oh. pointing out there. Which is white on the inside. Oh, you can see where his it's eyes like have come feet out. on the floor. Yeah. Severed feet. I wonder whether... It's, it's quite rest, sickly. But um, I'm hoping he died kind of early on in the process. Well, there's, a, there's another one uh, in here which actually shows a guy actually... He's alive that initially. One, James. Still alive, yeah. <laughs> this guy is actually alive. You can see he's alive because you see he's covering his head oh, like this. Some and then they're stabbing him in the neck uh, and then beating him and then he he loses consciousness and uh, right. the, you know see the rocks around it where they've pelted him with rocks but they're coming in with knives and, and bits of and you're steel and you come back into fashion oh, they're he's still alive there oh. I mean the, that crack you heard them was his oh. skull I just saw a great uh, piece it's of not nice. skull come out so these bats... And you see his uh, head, his neck opens up and his head's nearly it. coming off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, saying, oh, you motherfucker. Blah, blah, blah. Oddly enough, some nerve system is still yeah, 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 alive yeah, yeah, in yeah, there yeah. because uh, the shoulders are twitching. In the next video, I'll show you, this, you'll see yeah. how, how the nerve system functions beyond yeah. death. I suppose this could be... What have I got into? Educational in a way. <sighs> Yeah, um, it's making me feel sick just listening to it. The, um, and they've torn his clothes off, and I think he's not... Um, he's certainly un he's dead unconscious. He's, he's dead. crossed he's over, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 You just want to cross over, wouldn't you, ASAP? Yeah, you just want it, yeah. you just want it to end. <laughs> yeah. Well, As quick as possible. There's not as much blood oh. as I would expect, oh. Sean. This next one, drools of it, just for the sinews. for the viewers, is mm. one of the most horrific that I've ever seen. It was, uh, mm. the, the, yeah, basically they they looks like it's inside the, somewhere a, here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is in one of the shower areas, oh, so they can hose it But they've killed a couple of guys in there. There's there's one body to the left and one to the right, mm. and they're cutting them up, and they've literally just cut this guy's heart out of his chest. Maybe while he's still alive, and the heart is still beating. The guy, the person in in view, is holding the guy's heart in his hand, and the heart is still pumping. And he shakes it, and laughs, and the heart starts twitching again. The muscle. I mean, it's obviously still warm. And then it pans back to them cutting the guy's head off. Ah, uh, can hardly. What you want? Some popcorn for this, Sean? Really? Right. See the heart in his hand there. Okay. <clears throat> it's quite small, actually. It's not that small. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh. No, it, it's jumping. Oh. Like uh, You see the, cut, the, the chest yeah. cavity in a yeah. minute where they yeah. cut it out. And oh. the just, guys are holding it and laughing. Barbaric, <gasps> animalistic, just next oh. level. And somebody's sawing the head off yeah. with a knife that's not hugely sharp. sharp. Yeah. 
But it's, it's, it's easier to go in from behind, not is it? that way. Okay. Yeah. There's like a hole in this body where the heart was. <sighs> yeah, it's just savage. Um, and <sighs> supposedly, the excuse for this mess revenge That's was... That's a beheaded head. Not my friends. My, yeah, no, two of my friends were beheaded in this uh, melee oh. of now, lead I, bath. Water. Why... Um, Oh God! As a kind of outsider. Oh, that's, that's my friend's head. This is Marino. He looks at peace, at least. He does, doesn't he? He mm. was a nice guy, actually. Yeah, he looks. It does look at peace. We made nice. the mistake of becoming involved in prison politics in some <sighs> way, shape, and form, and uh, obviously went against the gangs. I think, and they they took it. Uh, they didn't like it. I suppose. When the thing kicks off like that, and you know, bloody vengeance is taken. Anybody associated with that yeah, gang would also exactly, be targeted. Exactly, which is, I, I was talking about this earlier, wasn't it? it that I very... <laughs> I just have Enjoying this? Result, yeah. <laughs> Same fate. Um, so, Another uh, head. I mean, they, they beheaded, uh, I, I don't know how many, I th- in one of the newspapers it said something like 20 people. But in another photo, which I've lost, it was taken in the, the forensics laboratory post uh, massacre and there's literally a row say a table like this a row of heads say I don't know about 10 heads and then a a bag you know like a big blue bag that you would uh, put builders rubble in or something full of heads mm. uh, so what maybe 20 heads in there something, something like that I mean a lot you know there's a pile of bodies there for example in this one yeah, yeah. they were kind of uh, flopped over each other well they've dragged them out and piled them up there as they've killed them Right. <clears throat> I still suppose there'd be anywhere for these guys to hide either, would there? That's the problem. There's nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. And I, I no see... No help. No one's coming. They've oh, lit then. a fire underneath. <laughs> a oh, yeah. There's... Yeah, that's a... There's they, some random heads around that's, that's the pile burnt. of bodies. You can see one of the heads was burnt and cooked there. Yeah, a cooked head. Well, you, you can actually hear it there? if you listen carefully. Crackling. Like the, the head is crackling. Well, the skin of the guy. I can, I think, in the background there. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, a couple of hisses. Bit of a sizzle, though. Yeah. Not like any Cumberland sausage. Or it smells that I recall. That it just, it just that's what turns my stomach. Smell of blood. Yeah, and, right, and burning flesh. I mean, that's burning what flesh. Supposedly, there's something very unique about burning. Human flesh. That's so. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't very nice. I didn't like it. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, not kind of. Like Puts you off your bacon. Snow of Smoked back bacon. <laughs> um, it's meant to taste like pork. Okay. The the other question that comes up is being um, South American uh, and a lot of uh, people whose background would be kind of a bit of. Inca in there and, and yeah, native to that. Yeah. Now there was a, a a culture there of quite brutality oh, uh, uh, historically of cannibalism. Yeah, and cutting people open, taking beating hats out. Yeah, uh, dismemberment. Of I see. You're kinds. right. I think that they, they, they just still exist there. Is that kind of held within these the families? Maybe that's a, that's a good point actually. I hadn't thought of that because I know it, it, certainly in the Amazon in in Ecuador there are still cannibal tribes there. Right, definitely. So 
I mean, well, you remember yeah. the, the history of the Incas? There'd be oh, yeah. rituals where they'd build these big altars That's true. on a whole lot of steps. They'd bounce down, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. and um, Sun channels for the blood to run yeah. down after the sacrifices. Well, obviously not much changed. <laughs> no, no, I just thought maybe <laughs> within the cults there, there's a kind of secret tradition of this does something for you, this is lucky. Yeah, or taking the energy know, of the deceased. Uh, you please yeah. the, the darker gods by uh, Oh, definitely Satanism something. going on. I mean, in one of the photos that I was sent of one of the guys that was killed, a guy called Fito, well, nickname was Fito. Uh, I think it was a photo from the police saying that, that his satanic ways have finished now. Fito dismembered in the, in the penitentiary in Guayaquil. So he met the same end that, you know, what he has done to others, mm, died mm. by the sword, lived by the sword. I don't, uh, from your own experiences there, would you be able to say that um, when they <laughs> uh, unearth somebody hiding during, you know, completely, I mean, of course, people got killed and attacked even when there wasn't a riot on, but was there much of a pre-execution hearing? They're allowed to explain themselves, try and no. talk their way out of it. Nothing. Like that. Uh, well, I, yeah, I did witness occasions when, uh, when the gang, had, you know, would go and grab a couple of people that they thought had done some misdemeanor, and they would start drowning them, waterboarding them, and then end up going too far and drown them, and then hang them up to make it look like a suicide and stuff oh, like that. Right. But that was on minor charges should we say <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of stealing a banana or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bumping into somebody in the queue yeah, for water looking at someone's girlfriend the wrong way or you know on a visit day that was a big no that would get you shot pretty quick uh yeah i bet wouldn't it yeah um stuff like that so that's minor charges anything serious then you're really fucked <laughs> generally uh, i mean the, the waterboarding grizzly as it is uh, um is usually in a position where you can pass out, but you're you're tilted down so that well, the water no, no, I mean they would go just fill a tank and just oh, just stick. Oh, yeah, it wasn't right, like yeah. professional. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say? I don't know whether the professional would be you know, a more wonderful option <laughs> when it comes to that. Somehow not. Take me to Guantanamo. <laughs> oh, so that was this is the one with the crackling skin. I think you can see that body's really burnt there. This he's saying it. If people behave badly, that's what happens. Right. I mean, it wasn't an attempt to get rid of the evidence, was it, by burning them? I don't think so. I think it was just a sort of desecration of the body. I think there's, there's inside a cell. This one was in the Daily Mail, Daily Mirror, but with that sort of blurred out, the body okay. of this guy. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, one of the massive... Cell looks very cramped anyway. But... Yeah, these cells generally are for five people. Oh, wow. This and is so a that, that's way. the luxury end where the sink is. Yeah. It, it looks about outstretched arms worth in length. Yeah. And width, I mean. They're, and, uh, they, they're, they're a bit bigger than an English cell. Oh, okay. But you would have, uh, what was it? It was uh, bunks, two, two, two concrete bunks that side. Two or three, or five people. Yeah, two that size. And then, yeah, so two each side and then one on the floor. And not much room in between. No. Mm. Yeah. The problem was when, when we all got transferred en masse into the newly built prison, they didn't take into account the gangs. So they were just throwing people. As you came, you were just put into a cell, generally. <laughs> so I, mean, I know I ended up on a different week. But in the first week there, there was something like 30, over 30 murders. 
of where people have been put in a cell with, say, four members of a gang, the other gang, and you come in and get put in the cell. Short straw. From, yeah, you're just fucked. Ouch. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, um, how many years has it been since... Three dead in that cell? Uh... So they didn't even get to get out. They were just spoke to a Colombian friend of mine the other day, and, and he said it. that a guy was killed in his cell doing this right. Um, what's the etiquette? Uh, do you mind if somebody steps in? I just need to kill a an enemy. His name's Pablo. That's not me. <laughs> do you want to join him? <laughs> Stay over there. No, I think <laughs> I'd, uh, step aside for that. Uh, I'm going to show you. Um, because it's now what? Is it five years since you've been there? Yeah, five yeah. years. So a few memories coming back with this lot. Well, this is it. It's just, yeah, lots of unsavory memories have, have been reignited, should we mm. say. Yeah. Rekindled. Oh, one of those um, had the, one of the heads yeah. was cut right in half. Um, how can I say? It, it, at the side so that it was being held up and the two halves of the face were looked like one of those really? what was that the Janus face the two you know the, the god that had two faces truthful and lying or, or uh, uh, good and bad and they always depicted it with, as though it was a split yeah. head but this was in reality it looked like a big scary mask didn't it the, the, the face <laughs> had been stretched and heavy too. I think I've lost the the those who had any brains left, uh, which weren't that many of them, they kind of popped out. Um, the the weight of the skull and contents was stretching down on the skin, so that when the guy's displaying it, uh, I think that was the one that was dismembered. He was holding it. It was like a bag. Yeah. All the skull had been crushed out. Yeah, and the the skin was stretching down, yeah, yeah, forming yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. So that, uh, and that was one where he was told to don't let your face be shown on, yeah, on, yeah, on camera. Yeah. Cause, so yeah. they must have intended that this be sent out and um, as a warning to uh, other gang members to uh, this, this is what awaits you when you come here. I think it was this one. That's the hit. Really? Yeah, yes. uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's split in a, a unique kind of way. Um, it's not like you'd want... Well, it looks like they've disemboweled that guy as well. Oh, that's right. The whole insides have been taken out. That one? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of... You feel like saying, why the long face, you know? And what's the bit on the left they were holding up? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> and just to give a disclaimer at this point, this is to show the hard-hitting reality of what Peter went through. Yeah. This is not the glorification of violence, and hence, you know, we're not, not showing the actual videos either because it would be a violation. Uh, I don't think it's something um, I'd want to have on my breakfast oh. TV anyway. Oh. <laughs> no. It's quite a long no, one no. of them going into the, the police going into the prison, but I mean, it plays for quite a while. I saw a bit of that. That's um, some of that's on uh, Ecuadorian television. Well, you know, when I, I heard it, it was on I, Sky. I it yeah, they played some of that, and it looked Can't like zero. there wasn't an awful lot of people left alive, and, and they were <laughs> surrendering, of course, to the SWAT teams coming in who had these body cams on, yeah. and they passed over a, a kind of what looked like a homemade shotgun 
Or something. Oh, I saw that. I think he was yeah. actually a stick with a knife on the end, like a bayonet. Oh, is that it? So yeah, because initially I thought it was a rifle as well, but then you heard it hit the floor and it sounded more like mm. a stick. Yeah, I think it was a stick, long pole with a bayonet with a I, knife on I'm the end. I'm surprised in a way that <laughs> the police didn't run in shooting. I mean, in the time I was there, they 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 there was, there was a couple of actual shootouts with the police. Uh, Luckily, I wasn't on the winging at the time. Um, just prior to me getting moved to Guayaquil from Quito, there'd been a big shootout between the police and, and the inmates because uh, an inmate had been on, had got, got off onto the roof of the prison, which was very standard there. And a police officer from a, a, gun turret, a gun tower had shot him from distance, killed him on the roof for nothing. The guy was just up there just having a look around sort of thing. I mean, along with a lot of other people. So he shot this inmate, and obviously they they didn't like this. So all of the wings barricaded the gates, uh, entry points to the wing, and just started opening fire down the main the main corridor to clear it. Sort of thing. Just just shooting at anyone and anything basically. And the police came in, and there was a huge gunfight between the inmates and the police, and up until the point at which the ammun oops the ammunition ran out. Uh, and obviously, then they stormed the wing and uh, yeah, beat the hell out of people. I mean, there were there were occasions when the police came in and got hold of a gang leader who had been up to no good, like maybe killed a couple of people in the prison or just been doing some nasty stuff. And they would just get the guy out in the exercise yard and just execute him, just shoot him in the head. One guy, one one gang leader, was um, taken out in front of his wife and child. He was staying overnight in 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 the prison with him, taken onto the exercise yard. Wife and uh, daughter were screaming, pleading with the police not to kill him. And the police just said, "Look, we've had enough of your shit," and just shot him in the head twice. Mm. That was it. They could have waited till he wasn't on a conjugal visit, couldn't they? Well, they could have done, but yeah. made the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wouldn't they be? I know they're police and everything, but wouldn't they be a little concerned that? Some of these gangs are so ruthless that... Um, Reprisals? Yeah. Um, I mean, when it comes to the police, uh, I think it's a little bit different. But when it comes to prison guards, the the prison guards are quite careful because obviously, generally, the gang know where all of the prison guards live, know their families and all the rest of it. So they know if they, if they do anything or go against the gang, they do end up getting shot dead or killed. So they'd have to be pretty cooperative then. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, that's why the prison officers are generally all corrupt. I mean, might as well be, you've got no choice life. anyway. Yeah. 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 So do the prison officers have to choose which gang they're going to work with? Um, I think some of them do, but generally they tend, they tend to work with anyone. Oh, how do they... Um, where's the line where the guard is kind of in fear and will say you say oh I want to go over to the some other area which they're not normally meant to go just open the gate for me or can you my wife's at the outside she's got something for me can you go and get it where where do they say where's the point when they need paying for that as opposed to just well it depends who you are doesn't it I mean yeah I mean generally as a western that we'd be paying yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'd be paying. I mean, I think you were talking about some uh, people that Westerners who managed to get themselves into a ridiculous situation where they were 
effectively extorted for over a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, some of the Russian guys. Yeah, my English friend Steve, uh, I mentioned in the other one. Uh, particularly in that second prison in Guayaquil, any new foreigner coming in would just be regarded as as a, a meal ticket. Yeah, a meal ticket, and just extorted to hell, tortured until they, you know, they'd be given a phone, made to call your family, friends, whoever you could to get money. And mm. I remember, I, yeah, actually, that's another story I didn't mention because it was quite frequent. But uh, I think he was uh, Romanian. A Romanian, uh, Romanian guy came in, and I tried to explain to them, look, these guys are coming in because they don't have money. They're, they're, they're carrying drugs because they're mules, yeah, because yeah, they're broke, was... and their families are broke, and they're trying to make money. They're not loaded. Not every Westerner is loaded. But they just didn't get it. They just didn't want to listen. Mm. And this one particular Romanian was genuinely broke, obviously, yeah, and couldn't get any money. And they tortured this guy nearly 24 hours a day for more than a week. And I remember waking up at five o'clock in the morning to his screams at the other end of the wing, him screaming and crying and begging not to be killed. And I mean, they did everything to this guy, much as we tried to plead and talk them out of it. They were just insistent that he was, in fact, it was that worm, the El Gusano that I was on about. Him and the two others that took charge of the wing after the trial errors went. They just felt that they had to prove themselves, I think, to the main gang. So really went to town on anybody. Oh, so they so were going over the top just to show how ruthless they yeah, were. Yeah, and they actually they actually killed a I can't remember where he was from, but they 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 killed uh, uh, another foreigner who had come in mm. uh, around that time. That, you know, went too far with the waterboarding, drowned him, and so he was another suicide. But those those screams and knowing what was going on, it was just heartbreaking, just horrible because yeah, yeah, you wanted to stop it because you know he's one of us at the end, one like a foreigner. Mm. But there was nothing you could do. You know, the, Sean, that's the worst thing in a really bad prison is actually hearing somebody else get tormented. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't volunteer for it myself, but if you get into a fight or something you're it's on with the guards and there's blows well it's you you're you're dealing with it you either finesse yourself out of the situation or you or you fail or whatever but somehow listening to somebody else uh, being tormented i always found that worse yeah i had a guy um in the cell next to me was the mexican gang leader and his cellmate went to court one day and they saw on the tv that he'd molested his niece so they waited till the guard did a security walk so they could torture him for 30 minutes for the next security walk. And it went from like human cries to like animal sounds, like uh, a cat yeah. getting killed or a cat on fire or something like that. Yeah. And by the time he came out of that cell, they kept him alive, but he was just covered in blood from oh, head, to, head to toe. Mm. Yeah. Did he die? No, he just, he, he pounded on the plexiglass. The guards opened the door and he just fat, fell and that was it. We didn't see him again. No, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so he he wasn't on protection because his, no, his a lot, main charge wasn't that anyway. No, no. Sometimes the sex offenders take their chance in general population because really? then they can get out of their cell instead of being locked down all day. Mm. And he was with the, the gang leader of the Mexicans and he was so embarrassed that, that this, this guy had been with him for months. He had to make a point. Yeah. And I was in the cell right next door listening to the whole 30 minutes of it. It's a long so hold on, minutes. he was getting tortured. The gang leader? No. No, no. This, the cellmate? Uh, oh, was it he? Right, okay. So the, ga right, the Mexican, right, right. Na Mexican national gang leader 
had this guy in there. For yeah. months. For months. I've been sitting and eating what, with him at the chow table and everything. Right. What charge was he in on, normally? Who? The, the one who got tortured. He wasn't oh, we don't know. He just, it just came... Yeah, it just came up on the TV. Oh, he was. Oh, it came up on the oh, TV. Right. They mustn't have had a very good screening process. You know, the charge check and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, the Mexicans. Yeah. It just came up on the TV. That was, that was what he was in court for. I saw that happen in England yeah, a couple of yeah. times. When I was at Gloucester, I used to get, you know, the uh, private eye magazine. Yeah. Uh, well, not magazine, but like, you know. My dad used to send it in to me. And on one occasion, there was a, a renowned, I think it must have been some sort of paedophile or something, who was in Gloucester prison. And uh, I think I think he was on the numbers or he, or he was on another wing. But anyway... I hadn't realised, and I was reading this private eye and spotted it to me about Gloucester Prison. I said, fucking hell, look at this. Handed it to somebody else. Obviously, it got round the wing within two seconds. Mm. And it caused a lot of trouble. And I remember they, after that, they wouldn't let that my, my private eye come in. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, they stopped it from coming in. Yeah. Well, yeah. it just wouldn't arrive. My dad would send it, but it wouldn't come in. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they just pulled it aside to mm. see if it was naming names. But even if it wasn't, they just wouldn't let it in. Punish the magazine. That's kind of weird thing to do. <laughs> well, what, so what happened? What they do with this guy? Just battered him, I suppose. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I don't know whether he actually got, but I think it, it, well, there was obviously some sort of problem, yeah, and then yeah. he got transferred because I remember the, the transfer. I, I don't think people um, uh, here of, uh, in say UK prisons or even in American prisons really quite understand how uh, carefully. Um, Westerners have to play it in in, what, in foreigners. Yeah, yeah. In like there'd be to me in just with my own experience, it's one set of rules for Thailand, which has yeah. got its own peculiar characteristics. Another set for India, Pakistan, which has its own yeah, weird definitely. things, uh, and they're kind of unique to that. You yeah, know, you, um, you, not just. Simple stuff like you're going to be lied to, deceived, contract, uh, can't trust anyone. Yeah, you assume all that. But just if you want to get anything done, if you want to survive well, just who it is, uh, whether the guards are a waste of time or irrelevant in any way, and, and well, what you should pay for things too, uh, within reasons. But um, I would looking look. We met in. Wandsworth, when you yeah. came back after that nine and something yeah, years, nine, yeah. uh, <laughs> just by chance, um, I was in a section that really wasn't for, um, I mean, they're supposed to separate uh, sentenced prisoners from remanded ones, and I was facing the extradition thing. Uh, and really, you're... Your sentence was over, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was due to get out. That's the wing I was released from. But if you think of the the guys we saw there, uh, even the ones that consider themselves a bit handy and sort of uh, criminally tuned in, imagine them in some of the oh, places yeah, around the world. Yeah, yeah. They, they would be, Don't and I've seen it, it in, yeah. in Pakistan, where they, cacarilla la pantalone, you know, both legs fill up. Um, <laughs> they shit themselves right. Let me just rephrase uh, one of David's terminologies there. He said he was just facing an extradition, facing the death penalty. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's. Uh, I, I think um, they wouldn't have actually... They, they wouldn't have bothered carrying it out, um, but I don't think I would have made 
made it to the end of it. It's anyway. still quite the sword of Damocles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still they they've lost uh, withdrew their case there now. I don't think they'll succeed. Um, That's not still ongoing, is it? No, um, they made a mistake um, when they when they started demanding me. Um, somebody mentioned a, um, what appeared to be a statute of limitation of, of 25 years on the original warrant. Right. Now that was coming up, so they wanted to get it over with in the British court before that expired. In reality, um, I don't think it was ever any such thing. It was simply that the bench warrant for my arrest when I didn't turn up at the next hearing in Thailand because I escaped, um, that had an end date on it. This warrant only, but yeah. I can't see why they couldn't simply just issue another one based on the old stuff. Uh, but I, I don't want them to get that idea <laughs> at all. No, that wouldn't work. No. <laughs> so, um, of course, I, I had to tread water. I got every expert I could. Um, uh, and I had one of the worst magistrates. It's done in the Westminster Crown. Why aren't they coming back from that hearing? Yeah, on one occasion, and you saying how, yeah, how badly it gone. She was, um, she was the, uh, she's married to well, Bath. What's her name? She's married to a, a, a Tory MP, and um, good. <laughs> very um, prim and, and proper, yeah, and, like and lots of floral kind of thing. You can imagine her doing gardening and and keeping in touch with the old girls from the old school <laughs> and all of that, and. Um, when we, we explained that um, when we'd sent somebody to film inside the Thai prison, there was no prisoners to talk to. The whole place seemed completely empty. Uh, she sort of said, well, they might have been embarrassed, you know. I'd be embarrassed if somebody came to my home and started filming. <laughs> um, so she poo-pooed the lot and said, you can have him. So I was already at the appeal stage um, towards the end of that. Um, but the, um, I mean, the prisons here are, in, in a way, you've got to go to more trouble to get to arrested in well, another country, moment. given oh. uh, the, something's got to bring you to the attention of the police. Like in, in, right, yeah, yeah. in, in Thailand, you either have to be terribly <coughs> poor or um, um, targeted by some local bent copper who decides you're going to get arrested. In India, Pakistan, somebody will bring the charge against you, but if you're in smuggling, you can really just have your name mentioned if you happen to be there and you get dragged in. And then you know, the, you've got to know the rule that it'll all go away in two years anyway. They Where all that? do. That's in India or Pakistan. Really? Well, what happens is that... Um, Right throughout the region, it's been decided that um, even the very worst case, bail, if the case is not finished in two years, bail has to be granted. This is with drug traffic? Where, or anything. anything. Murders the lot. Right. Um, an old friend and a protector of mine, uh, a tribal lord, Mia uh, Norjan Magsi, I'd known for many years, he was on a case you'd think on the surface would be hard to get uh, bail on. It was the September 30 massacre. 120 people right. uh, gunned down in Quetta. And <clears throat> that case dragged on a bit. Um, but eventually, even he got bail. Uh, it, it took five sureties putting up their houses. And with a very shaky hand, they, they signed the papers. 
<clears throat> but it can be very misleading there. You think everybody is being friendly, but you can be invited to stay for the night. And then the next night, and the next night, and tell somebody uh, somebody else's problem that you're responsible for, you know, like if they got cheated in, in something, you'd have to cover the money or... <laughs> they wouldn't do anything really bad to you. They'd just, just be there forever. Yeah, I mean, it is a country with a lot of private jails in it, um, run on the big estates. Really? The rich there, yeah. I didn't know that either. Um, there's 22 major families that uh, run Pakistan uh, and always have. Um they usually find uh, um, a good marriage for the daughter or uh, uh, they find a job in government for the son, um, one that's got plenty of splashback. The, the, the narcotics um, uh, police captain that tormented me, he, he'd been familyed into a job, and he I know he got a lot of payoffs from Karachi Port with hashish shipments. Yeah, that's but, um, infamous pork karachi, isn't it? A lot of stuff Yeah. He seemed to take a, a moral stand on something that he couldn't make enough payments for. It, it's odd how that is. And if you want all the details of this, there is a 10-podcast series of David Macmillan. <laughs> we'll put the description box link below this video. Mm. So how, when you guys met in Wandsworth then, how recent, how long had you been there and how long had you been there? And like, were you just like fresh, a fresh deportee who we'd just never, arrived? Yeah, we'd never met. And I would, I'd been plucked in and was facing this um, extradition case. But Peter, you'd just arrived. I'd, I'd, I'd been back about four, four or five months when I, when I got transferred to that wing and met you. The weird thing is, when I was in Ecuador, I remember watching the film that was made about you. Uh, Which one? The one early days? Uh, the, one who, the one who got away. Yeah, yeah, like the, the main, Australian one. Yeah, the, the Australian one. Got one. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is available online. Watching that and saying, uh, oh, and I think at the end it said that you that you were in London. That was your you'd like ended up in London. And I remember turning to a friend and saying, "I've just got a really weird feeling that I'll meet this guy when I get back to London." No way. Having no idea that <laughs> I worked ended up on the same wing as you, <laughs> like three cells. <laughs> I don't know what it is though, but don't you think you do end up meeting people in the, the same line of connections, oh, yeah, or, definitely, or, yeah. or takes the same view of things, like same morbid mindset? Let's I, rephrase I think, that one. Well, no, just that if <laughs> me and you, old boy. <laughs> look, if any one of the, and I will include you, Sean, arrived in a town and had exhausted the minibar in the. <laughs> in, in the hotel room, go exploring in the town and would probably end up in the same yeah. sort of places. But more importantly, probably... Just our places in prisons. <laughs> dismiss. Oh, yeah. No, not the prison straight away, but just the streets, the nightclubs, the... Followed the by life. prison. Yeah, yeah. Some brothel with a chin dildo. <laughs> and, and make the same kind of... Mistake. Judge. <laughs> Yeah, blunders, yeah, I suppose. You're looking on the downside of this. Yeah. I'm trying to clean it up. But the same fine judgment, shall we say, okay. on who to talk to and who not to. I mean, it, it is, you well, can Gary see... Uh, yeah. I, I bet you could see that in 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 any prison I've been into. The, you'll, you'll see somebody, and you're not even saying anything, 
but that person's quiet and you just see him going about his business and you say to yourself, seems oh, similar sensible mindset. fellow. Yeah. And I seem somebody uh, you could ask. A, you know, we would be sat at advice. the same chow table. Let me rephrase this. We'll be sat at the same chow table and the big muscled thugs would be calling us the prison intelligentsia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> as long as it wasn't the prison bitches, that's what counts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we'd be the professors or something or something like that. They're not fucking gangsters. <laughs> what are they doing in here? He's got a degree. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I think the key, I mean, yeah, you must have used very fairly fine judgment in South America because yeah. <laughs> but the key is you have to make yourself more useful, useful alive than dead. Exactly. And not just useful in terms of being a waitress or something. I can clean that one up. <laughs> um, but in problem solving. Uh, yeah. And, okay, you've got straight away, as soon as you could soak up enough... Um, Spanish to be able to uh, understood what was being said and make yourself understood, then that makes you kind of the Westerner expert. Yeah, yeah. What Did you have to like learn it? Spanish in there? You didn't know it before. No, I learned it in the in, in, uh, in prison. Yeah, I, I knew a little bit because I've been knocking about with some Colombians and whatnot, but only a few words, not a great deal. <laughs> so yeah. Was, but you must have realised that. I mean, when when I've travelled that part of the world, I've realised this is not somebody where you're going to find English speakers on every street no, corner. Really. <laughs> when um, you're in a life and death environment, how fast does your brain learn Spanish? Pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Motivation's quite good, yeah. isn't it? When it comes that and wanting to eat and yeah. just yeah, survive. Survival is because your, your first, um, the, naturally enough, the first people you spoke to would have been uh, bilingual a bit. Yeah. You spoke some English. Yeah, and they introduced was, uh, you to somebody else. A bunch of Arabs, some Syrians, who uh, I met at Interpol. I, if, oddly enough, I'd actually read, it was in The Guardian, pretty okay. much on the front page, uh, about the case because they were up for uh, shipping cocaine to Lebanon or Syria and then selling it and buying weapons for Hamas. Uh, well, that's a circle, isn't it? Wait a minute. Um Cocaine goes to where? Into uh, Lebanon. Lebanon or Syria or something, yeah, something like that. that. And then use the money for uh, weapons. buying weapons. To uh. support the cause out there. Yeah. So they'd all been arrested in Quito. profit, that is. <laughs> and spoke some English, so took me under their wing. Okay. It was quite handy having some terrorists on your, on your, on your side. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not a bad thing. Oh. Somebody's willing to <laughs> yeah, die. Yeah, my back. <laughs> if anyone watching this is having problems learning Spanish... We have a solution for that. Crash course. Yeah. <laughs> Ecuadorian prison stint. Yeah. It can be arranged. I'm sure we can supply the ticket as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, my wife Jeanette was watching one of those horrible things on TV about fat people. You know, the My 600 Pound Life or something. Mm -hmm. There's this weird kind of Indian American doctor with a squeaky voice saying, Hey, you've got to lose weight to uh, <laughs> Dog's death. Uh, you know, cut it, lose 150 pounds. I mean, these are massive. But there's not any worrying about their modesty when filming them with no clothes on. You can't see anything. Just <laughs> yeah. huge chunks of blubber. And I'd say to, uh, and they waddle around, and 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 the enabler in all of this is the boyfriend. <laughs> And I could say a few things about them, but I get accused of all sorts of stereotyping. 
But the boyfriend feeds these fat things. The feeder. And I'd say to Jeanette, you know, I could cure her of her 600-pound life with, you know, David's school of fat reduction modelled <laughs> on foreign prisoner lives. <laughs> Between the Rottweilers and the poor food, she'd be running around, yeah. sprinting, you know. How, uh, how indulgent is her life, isn't it? it? The contrast of the West, which moans about yeah. being slighted at school or, or sandbagged at the office or, or some trivial I, thing. I mentioned earlier in the, in the previous interview that when I got back to Wandsworth from South America, the, the culture shock that I experienced, mm. you, know, the, you know, in Ecuador, every little piece of food was eaten, anything left on plates was eaten, you know, and all the packaging and uh, advertising for Christmas because it was November when I came back, just, bomb, you know, constant bombardment of consumerism and capitalism. It was quite intense after coming from a third world country. Yeah, I suppose even though, um, but but where you, I think one prison was better than another. The second one was worse. Than it all got gradually worse. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, just you've been unlucky, I've got to say that. <laughs> all really. went upside down. It wasn't even, look, really that you could say one of the, normally the only advantage of being in a, um, uh, a foreign prison where the country standards get low and people are poor is that you can buy food you you can you've got enough money to send the guard out like in, in Pakistan they had somebody who regularly did the shopping yeah, and same, same in Ecuador and Keaton. Um but uh, you were really unlucky that in some places you were at that kind of routine system was broken down that new one yeah, and the, in the new one I was yeah again saying earlier we yeah we, we, we there was nothing <laughs> yeah Basically, we they got, were trying to run it on western lines yeah know. but all when we got uh, transfers there all of our possessions were taken off us so we were given a t-shirt pair of shorts and a pair of flip-flops and that was it we weren't allowed to take in any of our possessions in fact we lost them all yeah, they were never they seen was them left again. Like, yeah, exactly nothing and uh yeah, we weren't allowed any visits. There was no mail system, so there, and no phones. Uh, we weren't allowed pen or paper. There were no books, no radio, no magazines, wow. no TV. I mean, absolutely nothing. You yep. imagine the prison stripped bare. Yeah, yeah, and it's just been an Ecuadorian prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, nothing. Uh, just nothing. What were the local animals like, and did the prisoners eat them? Uh, yeah. guinea, uh, guinea pig. I tried guinea pig. You tried guinea pig. You koi. You, koi. They caught the guinea pigs. No, they used local. to breed them in there. Oh, they breed, breed them, fat to them eat. up. Yeah, they're quite tasty barbecue guinea pig. <sighs> Any like kids watching, which I doubt there are, but <laughs> yeah, it does. Is is yeah? Because it's they're, they're, like a bit like chicken, a bit like something. Yeah, I mean, very little meat though. You'd be surprised when they fatten them up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else did they breed to eat? That was about. Yeah, that was the weirdest thing. I remember coming out the first time I saw it and uh, came out into the exercise yard on a, on a visit day and uh, they were grilling these things on, on the barbecue. And I came over and I saw it and, and obviously you see the two front teeth and I thought, that's a rat. Oh my God, things have got really bad in there now. We're, we're grilling rats. And I said, "Don't, please don't tell me that's a rat. And he said, no, no, it's a guinea pig, koi. And I was like, oh, I need and they made me eat some anyway. So it was actually quite tasty. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, fat me a couple up. <laughs> I had, uh, Guinea pig for Christmas. <laughs> oddly enough, the only prison I ever ate wildlife in a sense was um, an Australian one because we had a bet going that my bodyguard could not catch two pigeons at once. 
uh, George was known to be very fast. He was right. a martial arts guy, a scarecrow, really. You know, he wasn't worth sixpence in a fight, but he <laughs> looked the part, and he could do matches professionally. I think it was really on. Um, but he had a fearsome reputation in the communal refrigerator. His name was Zachariah. Every every carton of milk in there had the name Zach written on it. <laughs> so never steal Zach's milk; you get in trouble. Anyway, but he he was. They waited for the pigeons to come and snatch, snatch, got a hold of both of them. Wow. These are jailhouse pigeons, you know. Wow. They, they That's moved delicacy quick. in prison. <laughs> yeah, what were they? they were a little chewy compared to <laughs> some of the things I've eaten. How were they cooked? With skin removed. Difficult. Uh, <laughs> With a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, we'd stripped down a toaster and made a kind of griller out of okay. it. <laughs> um, but, uh, this uh, is inside prison trays. Yeah, yeah. Well, you think you, of the you learn a few, that, don't you? <laughs> you get creative. <laughs> you know how to make a electric kettle out of a razor blades? Yeah. All you need to do is strip the wires. Or make an element. Yeah. Instead of an element, you hang one razor blade, yeah. the old-fashioned kind, yeah. like a postage stamp size, on on one wire on positive and the other one on negative. Don't let them touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle it. Just a grain or two of salt into your cup and lower it in there. What does salt do? It makes the conductance between the the two elements so you don't have to have them making any near contact to do it. In fact, the bubbles will keep them away from each other, if anything, so you're less likely to it. You know how I learned that the stupid way? I was in some big dormitory some places, not much. Was I still in teens? Not far above it about 60 people in the dormitory, and people would be getting up with a cup and sprinkling a couple of grains into a thing and coming away with a cup of coffee. I thought, well, that's got to be some strong instant coffee, (laughs) that stuff. Just a pinch will do it. (laughs) And I came away with just boiling hot water. Mm. So I did learn that that's all they had the coffee already in in the pot. Were you guys snatching birds? Uh, no, not that I remember anyway. Did anyone ever have any pets? I had a pet. I had a cat. A cat? Yeah, yeah. In, How in, did that come about? One. Uh, when I arrived in Guayaquil, uh, there was, I remember a German friend of mine, Pete, another Peter, um, had sort of started looking after this, this female cat and, uh, it had become pregnant and... I yeah I ended up taking over basically just started feeding it and it came into the cell and then just started living with this little black and white cat became my pet cat was it stuck in the compound I mean um, if it wanted to could it get in and out of the jail not really because of the walls I mean there were there were sort of cats tended to breed in there you know I suppose living on the rats and yeah and stuff. Uh, I mean there there were most places I've been there um, there's been cat population very it was actually it was actually good having a pet. Um, it know, gave you something to feed yeah, and take care of. Was there a happy a ending for the pregnancy? Oh, she used to get pregnant all the time, that cat. It was a little whore. Sometimes by another <laughs> <It's> cat. Terrible. <laughs> Honestly. Not always. I've never what, seen a cat. What, what would happen with the offspring? I used to fatten them up, but not eat them. <laughs> 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 no, I, I'd give them away to visitors. To visitors? Try to, yeah, yeah. Try, just to try and get So you're constantly them. having to be sort of orphan manager for these, these yeah, cats. Yeah, but then... Uh, Again, I, I fell out with one of the guys that was running the wing, and they took umbrage to this cat. 
uh, and ended this uh, after me having had it about four years and came around with a bag one day a sack and said you have to get rid of the cat and I said well if you want to get rid of it you can grab her because I'm not and sure enough that cat opened them up <laughs> Opened him up. Yeah, with his claws, just went ballistic. It, it senses must have told it. That yeah. these guys. I mean, I mean, yeah. they they got her and, and took her away. It was just sad, but I said, "Don't kill her because I'll kill you if you do." Mm. Uh, so they just took her outside of the walls and put her outside. She's probably better off. Um, <sighs> yeah, I guess so. The ones in Thailand were trapped by the moat; they couldn't <sighs> swim over it. So they were kind of slightly the product of two hundred years of incestuous breeding, I right, guess, yeah. uh, amongst each other. Uh, a lot of them had very curly tails because it's good luck there. Curly tails? Yeah. If the end of your um, cat's tail is curled in, oh, right. it's a lucky cat. Yeah, very big in Thailand. I asked my friend why. He said, because it hooks things in for you. Right. <laughs> okay. The moat was not able to restrain David, though. He was not trapped <laughs> by the moat. And if you've not seen David describe... How he escaped from death row in Thailand. It is one of the most breathtaking stories we've had on the channel. Which interviews that? Yeah? I think it's in number five or. Is it five? I haven't seen that yet. I think it's in five because it was a ten, long night. And it's in yeah. number five. The whole playlist is in the description box. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. But then again, I wasn't a cat. Uh, on the other <laughs> no, hand, no, the, nine the cat either. wasn't facing execution <laughs> either. I were, all, were all your visits in your cell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, apart from in that last prison where they they stopped all that and you had to have it in a visit room. But they had cells for conjugal visits above the visit room area. But I, I, in the last prison, I didn't have any visits. Oh, yeah, I did. I had a few. Did you manage to get conjugal visits? In Quito, I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah, it was good, actually. <laughs> we Basically, every every two weeks, every other week, on a Saturday, you could have your... Any, any female, basically, girlfriend, wife, prostitute, whoever, uh, come in on Saturday morning, stay overnight Saturday, leave Sunday evening. So it'd be the whole weekend. Wow. Who did the catering for that? We did, because they'd they'd stay in your cell with you. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so we were doing all all our own cooking and having food brought in at that point. This is early on. This is it. This is the good part of the sentence at the beginning, not the end. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. How uh, did you finesse that then? Where did the girlfriend come from? I I actually had a girl turn up from... Well, I, I was arrested in Ecuador with my girlfriend, current girl... Well, my girlfriend at that time, sorry. See part one for that? Yeah, but we, you know, after she went back to England, that ended. Uh, so I ended up going out with quite a few Colombian girls, some Ecuadorians, and then we set up a tour guide at the prison. Based on, I don't know whether you've read uh, Marching Powder. Marching Powder? Yeah. Well, we based it basically because that guy, that that uh, guy being released, Rusty Young, whatever his name Rusty was. Young, yeah. Oh, no, that was the guy that wrote it. That's yeah, the Australian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't the, remember the guy's name. Oh, no, I remember the guy's name. Tanzanian, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Lefty or something. Oh, my goodness. So he, anyway. he'd been released anyway, and, and those, those visits are stopped in Bolivia or Peru or wherever he was. So we hit upon the idea and a Scottish girl that was over studying uh, criminology or something uh, in Quito put up loads of flyers for us in the hostels and hotels and it became really popular. I can imagine. So what was the group composed of? The students or Yeah, there was a lot of backpackers. Uh, we would sometimes get uh, groups of students coming in from, I remember a group of students from Edinburgh came in. 
And they'd heard about the lab getting busted in Edinburgh. <laughs> and there's me. He <laughs> says, you're the same guy. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But we, we would say to them, you know, just bring in some gifts. And I, I didn't smoke cigarettes, but they, they would invariably, I think they were allowed to bring in two packs of cigarettes each. So you can imagine some visit days, we'd have like 20 people, 20, 30 people turn up. And we had visits all day Wednesday, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday. So, so you, hook, you hooked up with a Scottish lass? Uh, no, a girl from, I can't say where, but uh, exactly because it might cause repercussions for her, but somewhere up north. And she stayed uh, stayed around for six months. She was a model, beautiful. And yeah, had really good times. And in so the end, where did she stay? At a hotel or something? Yeah, so we went in an apartment for oh, okay. her. And she had a couple of friends in Quito by that point anyway. So every other week, Every other weekend, sorry, she would come and stay, and yeah, it was great. Spent what, the Christmas with me. Go on. Yeah. What What was the procedure for entering the prison for the visitors? How How many searches? Sniffer dogs? Uh, it was pretty lax, really. I, uh, this is at the one in Quito, which is now closed, the old prison. So they would turn up there. There'd be a, it would take ages to get in, but there'd be a long row of visits. They would. There was a police checkpoint first of all, where they would hand in their IDs, and get a, a, like a UV stamp or something. Uh, like you know, invisible ink. That's not right. I can stay there after a long weekend, is it? Huh? No, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, because yeah, that was one of the escape ideas was to get a, a latex face made up. Yeah, and, and replicate, <laughs> somehow replicate the stamp. Okay. But, uh, see what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Sure. Not really. <laughs> well, yeah, it just seems very difficult. Wouldn't the stamp just do it in a bit of drag makeup? Uh, some people have got out like that, but it was yeah. But the problem is, then you're left with a body in the prison. Yeah, who's got to answer for it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, there was the first checkpoint where they left their IDs. Then they come up to the prison uh, main entrance. Uh, they'd be searched by a guard, and then come in. I don't think they were dogs, but um, yeah, it was pretty lax. So if you had they a could bring in shopping, if you had a model visiting you, then where people are very desperate. Did that cause envy? Well, no, I mean, because nearly everybody had a visit coming in mm. uh, back in those days. Why do you suppose it's so um, objectionable uh, for particularly British prisons and certainly most Western prisons, except for Scandinavia, where they have a well, whole room for conjugal? Yeah. Well, why? What, what do you suppose that the mindset is that makes it? Oh, well, you can't possibly allow people's girlfriends or whatever to come. I don't know, it's something I've always argued about in the British prison system because I think it's like it's, it's barbaric, isn't it? Stopping people, uh, you know, if they're in a relationship, particularly if they're married. Yeah, and they it's get going sentenced to, really to something that, uh, petty, like the driving, get 18 months in the British prison. Suddenly they can't see their wives, get to see them maybe once a month for an hour, mm. maybe behind glass. I mean, that's not going to do your relationship anymore. No, How is that were, rehabilitating? Were, in Arizona, they would joke that she's going to leave for you for Sancho. <laughs> <laughs> she was going to what? She's going to leave you for Sancho any day now, they would say. Oh, <laughs> right. got a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Uh, one of the, the, the cruelest things that I've seen would be, uh, there was a little Lebanese gang in a, a Sydney prison that used to, they wait for the, the newcomers to arrive. And somebody who was, um, what would you say, looked like he had a business, or and it was his first time in. And he wasn't quite used to it, but he wasn't a complete fool. 
like he was a businessman, but importantly, that he was happily married to a good-looking woman. Invite him in, cups of tea, coffee, you know. Uh, oh, that's the wife. Oh, look at that face. She's like an angel, they'd say. You know, how wonderful she is. But the rest of the Alex was specialized. He'd say, yeah, mine was like that. Bitch, she was fucking my best friend within two weeks. And go on and on about how, you know, little willpower Just women have. That was phase one. And uh, where, where the money shot comes in was uh, somebody would <laughs> be passing by another player in the, the act Not with a, a big box of stuff ready to go. Hey, you guys want these trainers? I'm out today. Oh, yeah, good. What, he's getting out, is he? Yeah, yeah, he had the uh, top appeal lawyer on the case. Anyway, never mind about that. And then working in, let's look at your case. Is, is she coming to see you this weekend? No, she called up about it. It starts that way. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's with the kids. Oh, I even use the kids. It's shameful, isn't it? <laughs> so... Um, really get this guy into a lather, you know, no matter what the sentence was. It was an outrage, ridiculous. Who'd you have? And whatever lawyer he said, they'd all burst out laughing. You know, so this is a town clown. And uh, get him to part with 20,000 or something for this top mm. appellate lawyer. That sounds like I was on about this in Ecuador. My friend Steve, exactly the same thing. The locals would do that sort of thing to you there just to get money off you. And they get a cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they turn a bit plain when it didn't work out. Because under English law, I don't know if it applies there, but when you're doing an appeal, you can pay a top QC for um, an opinion. Just his opinion on what your appeal might be like. Yeah. And that can cost you 5000 mm. So this poor schlub would have put in twenty grand, and uh, a piece of paper comes back saying... Well, in Australia, well, fuck, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds and, very much like Ecuador. Um, that sort of, uh, uh, but perhaps taking, you know, having the dignity to type it out to a whole page. Um, and then he, he'd go back to the, the, the Lebanese guys. I thought this guy, yeah, he's fucking good. What's the matter with you? Uh, something about your case. Were you hiding something? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the mail call like in Ecuador? Mail. Mail there call. There was no mail. You just don't get any mail? No, there was no oh mail. Oh, my God. No, you're dreaming, aren't you? <laughs> I suppose Fucking if hell. you actually wanted it, you'd have to have it. The only mail there that we would get is via the embassy, and uh, that would be every three months they'd come in. Right. Yeah, it'd be pretty irregular. Could people send stuff to you through the embassy then? Was that a way yeah. like family could get things? Yeah. Unreliable way. Though. But that, that was when we were in Quito, but once we got transferred, well, once I got transferred out of Quito down to Guayaquil, which was a good six seven hours drive away oh it wouldn't be any representative no well there was there was a a console but it would be yeah the mail would come every once every six months and did a consulate official come and visit you right away in Quito after your arrest no when she did finally she actually said to me she came in and she said I'm amazed. Uh, you're the first British prisoner that I've actually been told not to speak to by the British authorities. What have you done? And I was like, well. well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, make yourself comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, but yeah, you're, that's true. I mean, you were in a doubly unfortunate position that you know your reputation had been blackened as far as the authorities were concerned You know, before you'd even arrived. So, um, yeah. 
and they don't make it easy for you. Um, they're not supposed to interfere in, in foreign trials. No, they won't. No, they can't, can they? But uh, they do in a, in a roundabout way. Um, in Thailand, the, um, the police authorities slip them some information, knowing that anything can come into a, a case there. And it was just a newspaper, newspaper story, conversation between two policemen. How do you mean? I don't quite follow. Well, okay, I'm in, on trial for um, attempting to smuggle uh, narcotics out of Thailand. And it was a small amount. But um, the prosecutor pulls out um, a copy of a Melbourne newspaper. And, you know, uh, right. two policemen are having a conversation about how big I was going to be. I'd served a long sentence. Now I was released. They were following me. Yes, he would have been doing this and routes throughout of Thailand and big network and all of that. That became part of the court record in Thailand as evidence against yeah, me. Yeah. And when my lawyer uh, objected on, and I said, it's a little bit on the hearsay side. Then, oh, the British police did all that to me over in Ecuador, sent out oh, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, it's a free-for-all anyway in the courts, but when it becomes clear that your own country doesn't give a monkeys what happens to you. No, my, they, they wanted me worse. dead. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, I told you that one, one of, you know, on one occasion, the British police turned up there because they came out like four times, mm. obviously on other business and stuff, on one occasion to get DNA from me. But, um, or just to have a gloat. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and on... The one particular occasion, the guy sat across the table from me and he'd been involved in my first case in Britain at, at Cheltenham at police station. I didn't recognise him, but he, obviously he knew me. He said, oh, you don't recognise me, do you? And I said, no. He said, oh, I was involved on your first case in, in Cheltenham in, in, back in Britain. I said, okay. And uh, uh, he's, he was, at that point, he was working in the embassy in Bogota for National Crime Agency or whatever the equivalent was then, soccer probably. Mm. Yeah, it would have been by then. And uh, he basically said to me, uh, when you get out, if you carry on your activities, and particularly on this side of the Atlantic in South America, we will the gloves will come off and we will make sure that you end up dead. We'll, have, we'll contract it out to one of the gangs and we'll have you killed. Well, I mean, That's scary. But you, there you hear your own government saying to you, yeah. basically, we will kill you if you carry on. I mean, that's like... Uh, it, uh, does, why were they so particularly bitter? I mean... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've been told myself we're going to leave you to be eaten alive by you know whoever's got you at the moment, whether whichever country it is. But um, you must have annoyed them in some personal way. I, th I think well, there's a couple of maybe a couple of reasons I'm not going to go into, but yeah, yeah. I mean I, th I think the main thing was the fact that we the the method that we were using to bring the coke in, they they couldn't. Oh, I see. They, Get on it. They, they somehow think that it's policemen and investigators. It is, from our side, cheating if something's a bit too clever. Or, <laughs> yeah. um, I've had policemen say, even when I was very young, at 20, say, they would stop using different names. We don't know who the hell it is. And, all that. <laughs> and I said, I think that's kind of basic, you know. When you, when I mean, the, ju something. the judging is summing up. This side in Bristol, Bristol Crown Court, described the the, the the method as ingenious. So I doubt that went down very well. You embarrassed them. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? So in part it one. It wasn't intentional, obviously. But in part one. Try well, to I make it work. <laughs> in part one, you have the girlfriend in the very beginning. And in the book, I read what happened at the end. Are you able to say 
what happened with the girlfriend because you told her to oh, hide, out, hide out in Spain, didn't you? Yeah, and she yeah. didn't listen. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Basically, I managed to get her released out of uh, the prison in Ecuador. Oh, uh, yes, I remember. Yeah, that. and I said, don't go back to Britain because they will arrest you. But she did anyway, didn't she? Yeah, and <clears throat> I'd arranged a flat for an apartment in Barcelona on the near the beach. And uh, we were going to get her, brought, uh, her daughter brought out from England to join her in Spain. I'd just, just keep a distance from the case in Britain to wait, wait it out and see what happened. And she didn't and insisted on going back to Britain, went back to Britain, got arrested and ended up getting a 12 year, no, 13 year sentence. 13? They, they gave her one more year than me. Just to be whatever. And she had like... She went not guilty all the way, which she should have done because she wasn't guilty. She wasn't guilty, I was going to say, yeah. The police fabricated evidence in in the case against her and said that she'd been carrying drugs back for me from all these different places that she'd gone on holiday to. I'd never once sent up with drugs. And there was not a shred of evidence for any of this anyway. The only evidence was the fact that some rucksacks that they'd found at her place that I had used... Mm. Had carried traces of cocaine on them. So what? Yeah, she could have been using cocaine as it's yeah, yeah. been touched the bag. It could That's... have been cocaine from Miami that had been on a dollar bill or something. So that, that was a conspiracy case, wasn't it? Yeah. There was that mm. and one kind of conspiracy case. I mean, I never got to see all the case papers because they never officially charged me. But the, apparently, the other key piece of evidence was a, one receipt from a chemical company with her name on it where I'd asked her to buy some chemicals. Legal methanol, a legal chemical that she could buy legally. She didn't know why I was asking her to buy it. I uh, regret I've doing seen, it. I've seen them, but <laughs> use that even even when the police were charging uh, my wife, my partner's wife, back in the million years ago. Um, the broad range of charges was simply on the basis that they were there or they they dropped us off at a place. It wasn't, there was never any, in, in, and certainly under uh, British American law, where it's a conspiracy case, anything will go into it. And yet they can feel, um, the reason I'm looking at this uh, email, it's, it's from a policeman who was back involved in, um, uh, he said, I was recently watching one of, one what, of the interviews. Would like to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please give us a call. He apologizes <laughs> about the death of my wife and partner's wife. Some coppers have feelings too, he says. Mm, okay. We've had some good ones but, on here who are um, against the war on drugs. I, re- I do remember him. Uh, we did wave to each other during some surveillance. <laughs> I always said to other operatives, what a gentleman you were. Some of the best experience in the Vipers I had. And I think they must have been surveillance people. I uh, got to know you quite well over that 18 months of the investigation. Respect and I have this head for you, but of course, doesn't stop them from uh, <laughs> yeah, um, putting the handcuffs on, um, playing the game in court. Um, but I've always said with uh, with cases, um, you to go into a trial where there's overwhelming evidence and you've got no choice but try and reduce the amount of damage is one thing, but or. Um, to a case where there's absolutely nothing. But if they're very determined, the opposition, it's worse when there's absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because okay. if there's no shred of evidence... It means they really tear into them. They'll load it up with crap. 
That's exactly what they tried to do with my girlfriend because she had nothing to do with anything. I'd quit a year before I'd met her, the trafficking. And the day they arrested us, um, she was in an interrogation room with the two lead detectives. And they're saying, we know when you went to the dentist with Sean on this occasion, you guys were picking up drugs. These are, these are very serious charges. But just at that time, wild man was walking by. He was getting escorted to another cell. He managed to like get get break break away from the transportation guards, stick his head in the in the room where she was getting interrogated, and goes, "Serious fucking charges, my ass, daft pig bastards." So he wasn't being helpful in the public relations front, was he? Back to the thirteen years, though. What is her attitude towards you now? Does she not want to speak to you? Does I, she blame I've, you? I've only seen her once briefly. Yeah. Bumped into her in the in the in my local town when I got shortly after I got out. That was the first and last time I've seen her. Yeah, yeah. She does not want to talk to me, and I don't blame her. Yeah. You know I mean? Did she do she, half of that then? Six and a half was it? Yeah. I mean, she should never be sentenced, and certainly not to anything like that. That's just insane. Yeah, it's really a punishment directed at you too. Yeah, totally. I mean, her legal team must have been absolute doo doo to have not been able to do better than that yeah i mean that's just and and you're helpless in this situation it's like watching a train wreck well i mean I, 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 I said to her you know if you want me to write statements and stuff saying that you've got nothing to do with any of this and you know counter some of the arguments then yeah, i was yeah. more than prepared to do so and said ask your legal team to contact me and no one ever did did it go to trial yeah bristol crown court mm. i suppose um they might have thought as as always will that if the witness is not there and it was in front of a jury you know obviously she's pleading not guilty mm. um simply um, a statement read in is not going to be enough they would have had to set up at yeah. least some kind of a, a video link which wasn't really even barely yeah. done now yeah. let alone then you know the ham sandwich quote don't you about juries What's that? in america they say a jury will indict a ham sandwich um, yeah, probably on separate counts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they'll indict anybody, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the, the the state has all the money in the world to put on their show. Yeah, yeah. And you've got, you're a lawyer with limited resources, or even worse, a public pretender. And then the theatre show begins. Public pretender. The theatre show begins, <laughs> and the state with the millions and yeah, the expert yeah, yeah. witnesses, and the jury's like, ah, oh, we only believe the police and the prosecutor, we don't believe the criminal side. <laughs> So if you were a ham sandwich, you would be found guilty. Right. Well, uh, of course, it, it, it needs a, a different defense. If you've got you know, a technician in a white coat coming in with a clipboard and allowed to read from his notes about what he says, and um, they really are stuck with having to educate a jury on just what numbers mean and context mean, if it gets read out the chances of this two separate bits of DNA being an identical match are 180 uh, million to one against that they'll ever be that similar, um, doesn't preclude the fact that uh, that bit of DNA could come from a tissue you threw into the wastebasket at a police station. Uh, They're doing DNA results order now in America from these crime labs. What, that uh, they Cops, wanted to come the out detectives, the, way. they call the detectives and say, what result do you want? 
Oh, yeah. Okay, they've been busted doing it. Really? Multiple labs. There were um, some 53 guys in on death row in Texas whose uh, DNA matches in uh, rape and murder charges were all through the same um, lab technician. And he, it was revealed when it all came out that um, he'd applied for the, the rangers in Texas and, and was rejected oh. in his uh, basement. It was all set up like a pretend Texas Rangers thing. And oh. It was absolute crawler to uh, prosecution and, and uh, the authorities there. So anything that came in, uh, when when he'd, uh, I don't even think he had the courtesy to ask what the police think that this is the guy or, or what. You know, um, but that's what you mean to order, yeah. because sometimes they want. A negative result. Um, if, if the if the defence is saying, "Well, I couldn't have been there because my DNA was over in such and such a place." If the suspect is the kid of a cop, maybe. A <laughs> <laughs> new series starting this week. Your Honour, it's called, or His Honour. I forget. Brian Cranston. Okay. It's on uh, Sky Atlantic. How did you guys pass your time in Wandsworth? Don't know. Did you didn't really get. Uh, a chance to find gainful employment there, did you? <laughs> no. It was an awkward wing. It was a good um, wing in as much as um, it wasn't too big, the people in it weren't too bad, but they all crap really in Wandsworth. Um, I had a job as a librarian there. Oh, um, the library staff member was yeah. raving about you when I did a talk there. Oh, was he? Was the yeah. gay one or the other one? Are well, they both the, gay? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, um, um, I don't know, they didn't like to work much, so, uh, they, they were quite happy for, anyway, there was nothing to it. I just, I didn't permit a certain, uh, overdone activity. It was all right for drops, you know, a quiet meeting, leave a parcel between the books. That was a certain section. <laughs> um, no problem there, but peace and quiet. Peter, I didn't want some. No victim could be <clears throat> dragged in there for a beating. That's what showers are for. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> one was pretty quiet. I remember there was one little. Do you remember when it was that little bit of a riot? Oh, the, the little pretend riot. It was Where they, they, very they had to get the Mufti squad in. Yeah, because there was too much spice going around. And there was a. It's a rule there too. If something kind of kicks off or remotely might kick off. I think they thought that somebody was armed up, one of the nutters, didn't they? I can't remember. One I remember one wing. It, was, they it wasn't it obvious. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. They um, all came in quite heavy, didn't they? And Well, heavy for one to <laughs> It is. <laughs> and I noticed the, the... Heads remained on. Yeah. <laughs> the gun squad there are very nervy. You know, they get protective armour, but you can see them. Oh, even if you know yeah. them, don't talk to me now. Highly strong. Winding, winding myself up for action here. I've all got twitching uh, hearts. But <laughs> the, um, the supposed nutter in that case who had the weapon was still wandering around the oh, exercise. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool. And I said to the, the chief who wouldn't come into the section because it was all closed off, I said, well, what, what do you want? I'm getting sick of this after a couple of days. Do you want the nutter? I'll bring him up to the gate. He hasn't got a weapon. He says he chucked it. So, you know, I won't really make mm. one so you can hand one in. I remember there being a lot of dogs. Did they bring in a lot yeah, of dogs? Yeah, there was dogs a lot of barking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the barking. 
I've got enough of a weapon story. I was just riding my rack reading the book and I see a prisoner go by with a big old towel thing wrapped around his head and eyes and a knife like this big. And um, next thing it's like, lockdown, lockdown. And he's just ra- running around, ranting, ranting. Apparently, um, something to do with his girlfriend not being able to visit or something, ongoing situations with the administration. So... They managed to get him to the fence and they were negotiating with him. I think they sprayed them, but he still won't put the weapon down. So then they just called in like 10 SWAT with shotguns. Line, line, he was in front of like the 10 of them and they said, right, we're going to count down with live ammunition. And I was watching thinking, oh, I don't want to see this guy get shot. And as as they started to count down, he just he put it down. He changed his mind. I bet he did. <laughs> uh, but it's not going to end well, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. Yeah. Mm, I think in um, certainly in my prison experience, going back in say uh, thirty years to seventy um, nine, would have been um, Brixton. That's more than thirty years, isn't it? Seventy nine. Yeah, isn't it? It's four years. Oh, yeah. It doesn't time You've almost done four decades inside. No, I wasn't inside, Sean. I'm just <laughs> saying that my first experience <laughs> in Brixton Prison, a big Roman prison, those days, it was... They hadn't panicked about the drugs thing. They didn't make a big deal of it. If you were on remand, you could have beer. What year was oh, this? Right, yeah. This was 78, 79. <gasps> I was two. Uh, it was... <laughs> you were in the UK <laughs> system as, way back then. Bit of hash at Heathrow, complete. This, this <laughs> ounce of hash had been in my travel bag for months, maybe a year. Well, that's what you got Nick for. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just didn't even think of it. I was in Paris on the wrong passport. I couldn't travel further because I had no entry into Europe on this Australian passport. Yeah. Needed an entry stamp for it. Had a British one, but it was. Do you remember? Well, you wouldn't. Uh, you're too young. There used to be a thing here called a European visitor's passport. It was a cardboard job. You'd pay a tenner for it at a post office. All you needed was a birth certificate to get the thing. And it had a, a stapled in photograph. Really? And the post office stamp in it. It was good for anywhere Christ. around Europe. Yeah, oh, just... <laughs> it was a diamond, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. You'd arrive back from, you know, bumfuck Egypt or something like that. And then. Um, <laughs> show this thing and it, you were kitchen clean you just because you transited in off the, the Egyptian flight and in via Spain or something and you can say you were on down in the island easier back then the holidays. oh yeah it was but that's all I that's how I'd entered the country so um, I needed a stamp so being in Paris I said to my girl look I'm going to have to run over there and get this stamp the whole trip's for nothing but this entry stamp, I, I solved the problem later by making my own stamps. But um, you know, they've got a special ink that reflects differently. But that's the tutorials on my channel. <laughs> 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 and uh, I went to Charles de Gaulle, uh, landed in London, pulled out the right passport, got it stamped in, stuck it down there um with the other cardboard one went through i thought i don't like this it was ghost town nobody there now ghost towns can be good but heathrow not always good there was one guy tallish customs officer 
long hair. Nothing but trouble. Your long hair <laughs> who gets into uniform, he wants to make a point about his individuality. <laughs> he wants to stand, he doesn't follow the herd. It's like the end of the Clockwork Orange. Yeah, he, he wanted to kind of, so I still could have made the break, but he, he stopped me and said, oh, where'd you come from? Uh, Paris, ticket? Oh, I'd already chucked it because I, there was a name mismatch. Uh, and passport? Or like, they were, I'd finished with immigration. I didn't think I'd need it. It was down my pants. And I pulled out the wrong one. Oh. Uh, I pulled out the one that mm. had the Thailand stamp in it. Six hours later. Um, uh, well, no, no, 20 minutes later, yeah. <laughs> poking around in my bag uh, and finds this bit of hash. I'd forgotten about it. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't think about it. But it w I mean, I would have been more tuned in if I'd been on a run or I'd had dope or something with me, but that was all done. It was uh, cooked away. So, um, I thought, well, this is going to be tricky um, <laughs> because they're going to search me and they found the other passport. So that's why I ended up getting locked up because there was two mm. um, passports in there, not to mention um, uh, two kilos of A-class that was dumped right in front of me. Uh. They didn't find it, though. Really? Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, my girlfriend, sharp as a tack. She said to them, oh, I just picked him up on my travels around Asia. Yeah. You got it out. She told them Legendary. that I was sweating <laughs> over to two suitcases. And when somebody came over to Paris and picked them up, then I'd relaxed. Mm. And they're, they're banging this container with the stuff in it. Going, oh, we've missed it. <laughs> and they're saying, uh, yeah, all right, so suddenly you're all cooperative and pleading to the pastors, pleading to the hash, pleading yeah. to killing Kennedy, you know, uh, pleading oh. to anything. You want the girl to go, even though she snotted one of our customs women during the strip search. She's feisty, yeah. <laughs> but we'll go for all of that. All right, so off you go to jail. Oh, by the way, what do you want done with that, um, what the hell is it, radio tuner thing you've got there? <laughs> the one you've been banging all night saying something, the long hair's been saying there's something not right with this case. You know? <laughs> um, oh, I don't know, give it to the girl. She kind of came out, she doesn't even know my right name. So, yeah, all right, she, she took it, I think. Oh. Wow, that that's over with. It was too close for comfort. But <coughs> as I was saying, the um, uh, it the Ramon back then was um, sort of okay in a way. You could have what you want. You were not considered convicted, um, but on the and anything could come in. Big loads of food and stuff like that. They're, they, they were overcrowded, the prisons. Brixton was the main remand one. And then um, um, I got out after six months from that thing. But looking at them over the years, um, now instead of, back then you could see about the villain section was quite a strong proportion. There was a good 20% of guys that um, were people you could talk to without fear of being ratted out or anything that but nothing like that it at the time you and I were in Wandsworth it would have been tell me if you disagree 2% <laughs> 20 
25% wife beaters, 25%, 30% just nutters, you know, care in the community. Yeah, and they closed true. all the big nut houses. They um, put them in these little share houses mm. to save time and money or something. And then they all end up getting nicked for something. But they're sane enough to be able to consume food and go to the toilet without causing a public scene. So, well, not much of one. And then they end up going to prison for it. What was the food like in Wandsworth? Better than Ecuador. <laughs> yeah, well... Not guinea pigs. No. It, no, it was worse than it was uh, 30 years ago, strangely enough. It used to be to compensate for the fact that, uh, I remember old Oxford Nick closed now. It's a hotel. It's called Malmaison. Oh, Malmaison. Dark house or right, house okay. of badness or something in French. Did you stay at the Malmaison in uh, Liverpool? Mm. Well, you're in the cells of uh, some old prison uh, <laughs> that's uh, been, been made up like that. And But its origins <coughs> go back to 1108 at Oxford. Uh, some parts of it dungeon oh, from one old. of the early kings. Uh, What's the history of Wandsworth? Wandsworth was a Always been in jail. Yeah, it was in the big spending boom of uh, Victorian prisons and nuthouses. And, uh, you know, in in money terms, it must have been a very hugely expensive program. You could never get such a thing voted through, you know, to the care of prisoners. And and everybody had to have single cells back then. They they wouldn't let you share with another. Oscar Wilde, he was at Reading. and you could even see the machine they had him turning. And that one of the meanings of turning of the screw is not just the thumb screws, but this machine prisoners were on me. Oh. So they wouldn't just sit in there doing nothing. Really? They gave them a, a big <coughs> winding wheel and they had a certain number of turns mm-hmm. they had to <coughs> pedal through and turn. You could see the apparatus on the inside of the cell wow. where this wheel was. But there was a screw outside which set the tension on it, how difficult it is. If it's some That's skinny guy in there, the turning the screw, yeah, making it harder for well, it. I didn't know that. Um, and the screws were the ones who, who did it. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, uh, I, I think there's one in a museum somewhere you can see, but they were quite big things. So a lot of twisted and half-witted thought, but thought and money went in the Victorian days to these places. Wandsworth's got... Uh, hey, remember the... It's corridors, isn't there, with you know, the history of Wandsworth and famous Wandsworth inmates. That's right, yeah. yeah. Dr. Crippen was one of them. Did you guys have cellmates or your own cells? I had a cellmate, I remember. Did you get along with him? Uh, you killed him. And, uh, <laughs> actually, on, on, for, for quite a bit of the time, I was uh, when I first got back, I was uh, on my own. And then I had, there was an Albanian guy who was around, got on with him. And then there was, do you remember the the Asian guy who was in for terrorism? He'd, he'd be put something in a remote control car. Um, uh, what, a like, toy car that was meant to drive down yeah, and blow up? No, no, no. He he had bought, oh, what he bought? Something like, I don't know. It was either explosives or poison from the States. And when it was getting dropped, he'd, he'd come, up, come up this thing to get it off. The person he was buying it from, he built this remote control car with a hidden compartment in, with a camera on. So he'd driven the car 
from remote, you know, viewing it remotely, got the thing, whatever it was, stuck into the compartment and driven it back, but got arrested by the FBI. Ended up getting eight years, but he, he was my cellmate. You ended up with him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Well, he was all right. Well, He's he, all right. What was he doing in a British prison? He'd just been um, repatriated. No, he was nicked in. He was from Manchester or something. Okay. Oh, no, you just said by the FBI, I thought. Yeah, no, he was... got nicked in Britain by the FBI oh, it, right. because he bought okay. the stuff from America. International terrorism. So yeah. what he got supplied probably was a fake one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's gone to all this trouble to make the care for nothing. For and did he, did he say why he wanted to do that to you? He, he was, um, I think he was on the spectrum of like mm. autism or, or something like that. And he said he was... Uh, uh, it was just to see whether or not he could do it, whether or not he could get away with it more than anything. Oh, he, he was a computer tool. He wasn't linked up with some group? No, not really. He didn't even go and pray on Fridays and all that sort of stuff. And where was he going to detonate that? Well, I don't. I, don't, I think he was actually just buying some sort of... It was either explosives or, or poison or something in order to then go on and do something with it. I see. I can't remember the whole story. Oh, yeah. that's enough. It was on the front pages of uh, all the newspapers. <laughs> And then he ended yeah. up in the cell with me. Yeah. At least you got somebody, some story to tell. I, I made sure I had nobody after having a couple of. And it's, some, it's very hard to live with somebody, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in even if you had a clone place. of yourself in there, oh, yeah, you'd, you'd be killed. <laughs> even if you had Mother Teresa in there, you'd be gut wrenching her after so many months. <laughs> oh, no, she, she wouldn't last long. Enough of the rosary beads, Mary. Oh, yeah, and the praying. Oh, mm. yeah, he's not listening for fuck's sake. So you um, finessed your own cell? I went to see... You can't beat your own cell. Bush? She was the psychiatric nurse. No. Very tall woman. She had tats down. She'd been in the services. I sort of chatted her up. I said, look, I, I'm desperate for a cell. I, I, yeah, because you were on your own for quite a while. Right? Yeah. No, I used to be in fear of that door opening up and that, you know, when they're overflowing. Oh, David, can you, we just got somebody for the night, we'll move it. I'm like, fuck you. Well, I, I was like that yeah, for a bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 even somebody was quite a good friend, a uh, uh, little basher. Uh, I'm still in touch with him. He's in Egypt at the moment. Remember that little tiny guy who used to join everything that was possible I real, no, I've yeah. met so many people in, you know, he he had a Christian name in Arabic uh, uh, Alyssa uh, like Jesus and then when that didn't work out because he's in um, uh, Turkey now he's Islamicked it up a bit Mo Muhammad or something like that but um, I let him in one night <coughs> I said you know Basha you, <laughs> you've got to scoot in the morning you know uh, but because it's sort of you can organise your time so much better when you're by you're right. yourself yeah, yeah. I'd have, it's uh, like living in a toilet with someone isn't it oh, it's, that's horrible I well they're uh, shitting pissing and fighting so everything else that, yeah. but, um, <laughs> that's the size of the it, toilet isn't it? it pretty much and with the job I could get a lot of videos in so I'd watch it even when I got released from uh, Wandsworth it was an inconvenience, to tell you the truth. It was a Friday night. I was in my dressing gown. Prison break. I, I, I bought my weekend drugs to keep me, you know, mystified. And um, <laughs> had um, the rest of a box set of the, the Americans to, to work. You do get into your, into your little uh, routine then. You yeah. Know, watching this program and that program at this time with this radio station or whatever. And, and, and your exercises. And... A book of uh, that I just made the library pay for about... 
it was just called Letters. It's worth getting. It's kind of like the last letters of people or letters that later turned out to have importance. Uh, one of them, I remember, was uh, the speech written for Richard Nixon in case the Apollo landing didn't work out so well. <laughs> you can, because I think everybody was thinking the same thing. They're in the eagle, the landers on the moon, ready to go home. The, the, the other one's rotating the moon to, to pick them up. And it's, you know, like, I don't know if you've been to the museum and look at like like tin cans. Yeah. <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> well, imagine um, pressing the launch motor, and that was a single start. Only enough fuel for one attempt. Only enough ignition thing for one attempt. They were never there. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that. Um, <laughs> imagine it. Uh, they were offered suicide um, really? capsules or something. The same oh, ones they used to give cyanide. us. Cyanide. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a scratch pen. They, they had it in a, take the cap off. Oof, All the good it. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Wish some of my couriers had used the damn thing. Was it weird dealing with British guards after foreign guards? Like, were they more cordial? Uh, I don't know. You don't really deal with the British guards, really, do you? Well, unless you need something from them. Yeah. It was just back. It was just my mindset's always been that way, anyways. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you couldn't ask them for half an ounce of coke and a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd probably misunderstand that. Yeah. Entirely. yeah. Um, there was yeah. only one. Not quite I mean, the same. There was one guard at Wandsworth who used to do uh, mail drops. Anything you could fit in an envelope. He was he was on what do they call them auxiliary staff, the night yeah. staff, and he'd pass it under your uh, door. And I think um, what was the price on that? It was relatively cheap. It was one or two hundred pounds. So whatever you can get in there, That's quite a fit under the door. Or trips. Yeah, but you can imagine <laughs> Coke and Wandsworth and what yeah, to do with it. <laughs> so spice was the big thing. Um, no, that, that was the moneymaker. Mm. People would profit. And even then, but I believe more so the last few years, you know the bums you'd see that would come in every couple of weeks? They're, they're um, <clears throat> letting them out when they, when they, and, but making sure they come back in. So they're paid to oh, come back in right, yeah, for, yeah. with a with a bumful of um, oh yeah load, the homeless loaded up yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. they put the homeless <laughs> they pack the homeless with the drugs and send them back in so, yeah yeah that um, makes sense when when they arrive the guy who allocates cells and whatnot at reception there's a bit of a prisoner input into that or well, mostly because the yes yeah, yeah. are organised they make sure they go back to the right wing and then as soon as they get on in the morning they. You know, Unpack their ass. Explode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's usually a few little phones in there, but mostly spice because that's the owner. Uh, very unpredictable. That's Have you great. ever tried any? No, I don't. It's, uh, you, you don't know what you're getting. And go easy out there, just a couple of tiny little bits of it, because it could be any damn thing. Probably advise against that completely. <laughs> uh, um, synthetic. Uh, cannabinoids I guess but um, how many times would you see the ambulances called in there oh yeah it's regular daily daily man down it. they'd say or mm -hmm. a sponsored walk that was the one I liked <laughs> you know somebody's at the finish line <laughs> like that <laughs> another sponsored walk coming up <laughs> what about if the, the mule couldn't unpack their arse were there consequences um, Senecott usually 
Um, <laughs> some encouragement to do it. Uh, they have a laxative called Blue Thunder in Arizona. They start shot. with that before they put someone's hand up. <laughs> what? Ooh, hey, you want to leave a tag on that one? I may want to leave the string hanging out or something. <laughs> uh, one's worth it put in, I noticed, um, an electric throne. Oh, the, the hot, hot, yeah. hot seat. That, yeah, was yeah, for, that was for telephones, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I, did, I don't think it was for drugs. I've never it seen it. It was magnetic, wasn't it? It was like yeah. a scanner type. So if, uh, if you sit on it when you're just in your shorts or something, if you're packing too much metal... <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a Prince Albert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, packing iron in there. But, I mean, I suppose you could say you've got a pacemaker or something like that. In your ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's ringing. <laughs> Shut up! Oh, uh, um, <clears throat> that that package would be worth uh, maybe a grand or something like that. Thanks to drug laws. Yeah, um, and we were saying at the the top of the show, weren't we, that um, the places where tobacco's banned, prices are absolutely hugely inflated. I remembered now from the Australian prison, it was a hundred dollars for a uh, packet of uh, roll-up papers. Wow. Jesus. I mean, no Bibles being used. No, I haven't seen a Bible printed in that lightweight stuff. <laughs> there used to be the international edition of the Observer. Um, it was on a kind of rice paper. Oh, okay. Uh, sometimes get those from the British Embassy in, in Thailand. Yeah. I guess that charity is still going. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> they they are. Yeah. I mean, out of yeah. the charities that brilliant help people. Prisoners, they're probably the best of them. Prisoners overseas who can't even get medicine, they're going to die, and they will get the medicine for them, prisoners abroad, yeah. Yes, if I was somebody who is reasonably caked up out there, who was thinking of leaving her fortune to the kitty cat, well, leave it to prisoners old Tom won't mind <laughs> if, you, uh, <clears throat> if you leave it to prisoners abroad, neither will we. Kitty, a special place. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up because Peter has to get to the station. Yep. Pepsi Watson's on his way. Huge thank you to both of you guys for coming in today. Always a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. David's <laughs> YouTube channel is growing. Please go down and check out what he's doing. It's going to be in the description box. Peter, last time you mentioned possibly starting a YouTube channel, you, you made any progress with that? No, I didn't. No progress. Okay. No, I mean, I didn't. I didn't mention starting a YouTube channel. Both accomplished authors. I'm correct on that one, right? I'm, I'm writing another book. He's I'm writing another book. book. It's the early. That was yeah, it. The, the other book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> something in the pipeline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not drugs. You, you know what you need to get is the title and the ending. Oh, I've got the title and the ending. No, yeah, so yeah. yeah. oh, I'm just packing it in the middle. Actually done. I urge. I mean, I've you know, absolutely brilliant literary craftsman in this room today. I've read all of the books of the respective <laughs> gentlemen. David's two books, Peter's one book. You'll find them worldwide on Amazon. And there has been progress with the audio book. Yes, I actually completed the thing at about three o'clock <laughs> in the done morning yourself? last week. Yeah. And it was an ordeal, I can tell you. <laughs> an ordeal <laughs> and, book. <laughs> and, but a pleasure to listen to, say my test audience. And uh, by the time you see this it'll be available with Amazon Audible which uh, is the future of publishing I can tell you provided it passes the quality control inspection uh, yes I know that is a, a bit but I, I've really been careful to keep it within a very tight range of expression 
Now, you try and make it sound like a robot. Or <laughs> not too high, not too low. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to chat to you about that afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, you want to. Uh, yeah. I, I think with your voice, you should use your own too. Sean uh, did that once. <laughs> change the subject so we're about to go to the kebab house and um what else do i have to say huge thank you to all of the people following and liking and commenting on these videos like i said we've already done 10 with david where we'll be continuing his saga soon thanks to joe and james for coming in and um filming these and audio recording these so you can have them at a good quality level you're very professional it is, and if Sean's sounding faint, it's because he hasn't eaten all day. <laughs> My stomach's been rumbling constantly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, so everything is down there in the description box. Please let us know what you have thought about today's video. We will see you soon. Take care out there. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.